from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. To me, I don't see any reason why that would be having an effect unless there are other things happening in that person's life. You know, again, the periods can be very flexible and react to lots of stuff. Um, That's just like why you wouldn't necessarily want to get pregnant when you had strep throat or something. Your body is already busy. It's using its resources to do something else. So you're talking about a short-term effect coming from these vaccines. Very short. I'm Sarah Fenske. There's a lot of misinformation out there about vaccines. The nurses giving you the COVID-19 jab might well urge you to, quote, tell everyone you didn't grow horns or a tail. It sounds unnecessary until you hear the false rumors about vaccines introducing 5G microchips into the body. And so when rumors started swirling a few weeks ago that COVID-19 vaccines were affecting women's menstrual cycles, you may have laughed it off as needless paranoia. What could a shot have to do with your period? Well, as it turns out, it could have a lot to do with it. And there's also a lot we just don't know. And joining us today to explain why and what she intends to do about that is Katherine Lee. She is a postdoctoral researcher in the Division of Public Health Sciences at Washington University's School of Medicine. Katherine, welcome. Thanks for having me. So, Catherine, you and a colleague are conducting a survey about people's menstrual experiences after receiving these COVID-19 vaccines. What first got you interested in that topic? So for both of us, the reason we got interested in this topic, other than that we study menstrual cycles already and just think they're really cool physiologically, is that both of us noticed that we had differences in our menstrual cycles after we got vaccinated. And it was just, you know, small, short-term things. But as people who study the menstrual cycle, I was really, really interested in what the possible mechanism could be. Tell me what kind of differences. You say they were small. What did the two of you notice? Um, For me, I had spotting when I would normally not have had anything happening. And my collaborator had a much heavier cycle than she normally experiences. Mm. And they were just both things that were unusual for us in our bodies. So knowing what we know about the body, how could a vaccine affect a menstrual cycle? There's a number of different ways that a vaccine could affect a menstrual cycle. Um, We already know that the menstrual cycle is really dynamic. It responds to lots of things in life, um, including energetic mechanisms, some immune and inflammatory Uh, responses. And even things like stress can affect the menstrual cycle. Hmm. So if you're getting a vaccine, it makes sense that this is something that just might affect it as well. Of course, especially a vaccine like this one that we know has such a huge immune response. And so many people are reporting, you know, other very significant side effects like fever and headaches and just extreme fatigue. 
So it's really giving your immune system a workout. We asked our listeners if they'd noticed these kind of things themselves, and we did hear from a few who did. We got an email from Nicole. She writes, I have been on an IUD for the last 13 years and rarely have even light spotting. I haven't had cramps at all. I got the J&J shot at the mass event at St. Louis Community College Forest Park. This month I had heavy spotting and excruciating cramps. I chalked it up to an anomaly, but now I'm wondering if it could have been the shot. We also heard from Mary on Facebook. She writes, yes, I had a heavier, more more painful and longer period. And I thought I was done because of menopause. If you're listening to this and this re- resonates with you, we're curious to hear about your experience. Our phone lines are open. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK if you want to join the conversation. Catherine, anecdotally, I've heard women of childbearing age are having some of the most intense reactions to that second shot, that their bodies are mobilizing against this virus. Is it possible that that could be connected to what you're talking about when you talk about menstruation? There is some evidence that um, people who have more estrogen circulating in their bodies tend to have a more reactive immune system. So that could definitely be part of it. Hmm. At the same time, it sounds like there's a lot of this that makes sense to you, but I'm also hearing a lot of things that don't make sense at all. We're seeing some people with big followings on social media make claims like the idea that uh, women report bleeding oddly when they're being around women that have been vaccinated. I know you haven't examined these cases individually, but does that pass the smell test for you? To me, I don't see any reason why that would be having an effect unless there are other things happening in that person's life. You know, again, the periods can be very flexible and react to lots of stuff. And I just can't see as many ways that that could have an effect as I can for something like the vaccine, having an immune response already happening in your body. I just think that mechanism is much easier to follow. I also want to ask about something because it's out there. And and of course, we don't want to spread information, but we also kind of want to nip it in the bud when we get the sense we're hearing it. And that's there's a lot of rumors that these vaccines could affect your fertility. Based on what you know as a researcher, do you think there's a good chance of that? Based on everything I know, I do not expect this vaccine to affect fertility. Again, fertility is this um, ability to have kids and the number of offspring. That's what its fertility is about. There's a small chance that because if your menstrual cycle is a little bit disrupted just after you get the vaccine, you might have a harder time actually conceiving that cycle. Mm -hmm. But that is not fertility. Um, That's just like why you wouldn't necessarily want to get pregnant when you had strep throat or something. Your body is already busy. It's using its resources to do something else. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a short-term effect coming from these vaccines. Very short. I want to go to the phone lines. Natalie is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Natalie, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. I'm, I'm curious to hear about your experience. Yes, I've had a very similar experience, and I'm surprised to hear that others have it as well. I'm 33 on the pill and haven't had a proper period for years. Just completed my second vaccine shot and have had a very heavy, very painful period for the first time in a very long time. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear it's been painful. Hearing um, what Catherine is saying about all this, does it make you feel a little better knowing, hey, there's there's some reason this might be and it's not some some crazy wacko theory? It certainly does. 
Well, Natalie, thank you. Thank you for that experience. Um, it, it's good to hear that. Um, Catherine, it, it seems like periods are something that we don't want to talk about very much. And that might be something that we end up brooding on and, and wondering over as opposed to something just as simple as what you've just explained here. Why do you think that is? I think that a lot of people had, have had very negative experiences when they do try to report something being different about their period. So a lot of times, because periods can be really variable, people get dismissed when they try to bring it up with their doctor. It's not often asked about as part of just routine care, even though it's something that serves as a you know, constant uh, sort of biological check for women already. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to deal with this every month. It's interesting that doctors would be dismissive if people are talking about what what can be a pretty painful or big deal for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's one reason why so many people struggle for a long time to get diagnosed with things like endometriosis or PCOS or any number of other things that are actually um, something physiologically wrong because a lot of times people's perceptions of their periods get dismissed as just opinions, not knowledge about your body in the same way that other symptoms often are uh, appreciated. Hmm. So, Catherine, going back to the question of of this specifically as it relates to vaccines, they did extensive clinical trials before these vaccines got the go-ahead. It's the reason uh, many of us, including myself, were more than happy to line up and get ours. Do you know if they looked specifically at issues involving menstruation in those trials? Um, I've spoken to a few people who are more knowledgeable about the vaccine trial process than myself. And as far as all of them know and have checked, it's not a routine thing to ask as part of the clinical trials. Hmm. However, um, my collaborator, Kate Clancy at UIUC, um, University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and I have both gotten a number of emails and tweets and um, other types of communication from folks who've said that you know when they did try to bring this up to their doctor after the vaccines were rolled out, they were dismissed because it wasn't listed as a side effect. But there are a handful of folks who were in the trials who have told us that they tried to report that their menstrual cycle um, was a little different after their vaccine, but they were dismissed and they had to um, basically make the person at their appointment write down menstrual cycle different. Hmm. Um, We've also heard from people who tried to report it to the vaccine adverse events um, VAERS system, Mm -hmm. where you can report adverse events. And they've been trying to get their experiences just sort of logged as one of the things that you can report. And they've been stuck in pending status for weeks. Catherine, you study periods. Historically speaking, is it surprising to you that people trying to report these experiences would run into this resistance and that the people conducting these trials wouldn't even think to ask about this, apparently? I don't think it's surprising at all when you look at the history of medicine, especially medicine in the United States. You know, it was largely set up for and by um, healthy white men. Um, Most of the clinical trial history in the United States didn't include um, women at all. And so if things like knowing what your menstrual cycle is like for you um, aren't part of your lived experience, you don't think to ask it when you are making the checklist of symptoms that we ask about. So it just doesn't occur to someone who doesn't menstruate 
that maybe that's a thing that you might want to ask when you're asking about things like headache and fever and injection. It's the soreness at the injection site and all of these normal symptoms that people think to ask about. So you and your colleague are seeking to write this. You've launched this survey. I understand it was two weeks ago you launched it. What kind of response have you gotten? We have been absolutely overwhelmed at the response. Um, There are so many people, again, reaching out through things like email um, or tweets. And the survey itself has had, when I looked earlier today, over 51,000 people start to take the survey and around 40,000 complete the survey because we do allow people to um, come back and finish later. So 40,000 have completed it. I mean, that seems like an astonishing number. Is, Is that what you were hoping for when you went into this? When we started, we were assuming that because, again, we're asking about something that a lot of people don't like to talk about publicly, Mm -hmm. we sort of thought that maybe we'd get 500 or 1,000 people over several months who wanted to fill out our survey and enter into the little text boxes, descriptions of their period. So um, we are currently... um, just overwhelmed at how supportive so many people have been, how much people have said that it validates their experience, the number of people who are trans or gender non-binary who appreciate that we're not asking about women's experiences, but the experiences of people who menstruate, um, because they're often left out of conversations like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been overwhelmed and pleasantly so for the most part, uh, just thankful that people care. Hmm. I want to go back to the phone lines. Uh, Melissa is calling from St. Louis. Melissa, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Good afternoon. Um, So I'm calling because I received my first vaccination on May or March 15th. The next day, I started um, probably one of the heaviest cycles I've had. Since then, I've had four cycles in six weeks, went to my primary who referred me to the ER, who told me I was going through menopause. Um, so have you seen, my question would be, um, I have made appointments for gynecologists, but why can't we as women get the adequate health care or appointments or even outreach um, from gynecologists because they don't seem to have them on call in emergency rooms? Hmm. Melissa, that's that's really interesting. I, I was not aware of that, and I appreciate you raising that and, and sharing about your experience. Catherine, any thoughts on, on what Melissa's sharing? I am just so sorry that you are struggling to get the medical care and attention that you need and that, you know, the system is not set up to respond to people's needs the way maybe it should be. Hmm. I'm sorry. Well, Melissa, thank you for sharing that. And and Catherine, just hearing people, people are willing to talk about this. It's interesting. I, I might have said going into this, they wouldn't be. And I, I think women are, are starting to speak out. And I think that's great. Now you have 40,000 women who've spoken out for this survey. What do you hope comes of that? So my collaborator and I are both, um, we started this because we were interested in um, understanding people's lived experience with this, um, really making sure people who were experiencing this, had a place where they felt like they could be heard. But we were also really just interested in taking this information and formulating some good, solid hypotheses to really understand um, what the immune response is doing, what the vaccine is doing um, in terms of the period, because we are 
big nerds about this particular topic. We actually, so we're going to take the responses and uh, keep doing more research, but more focused, um, specific research as we go through this data. We actually got a tweet from your collaborator, Kate Clancy. She tweeted, normal healthy immune response. Changes in inflammation platelets should be part of immune activation from vaccines. In some people who have regular bleeding events, like menstruators, one would actually expect a little variability there as a result. No long-term effect. I think that long-term effect is something worth highlighting. And and Catherine, we're, we're all just being so careful about how we talk about things these days. Are you worried that by talking about this, you could contribute to vaccine hesitancy? I think increasing transparency helps decrease hesitancy. I think what's worse is not knowing if this is a side effect and having something happen like a really, really heavy period or a period where you're not expecting it and thinking that you are actually ill or something is very wrong mm -hmm. and trying to hide that this could be a side effect. Not that anyone is actively trying to hide it, but we just don't know. I think. Um, means that if people have a weird reaction that is unexplained, they distrust the vaccine or the people giving the vaccine and things like that. So increasing transparency in the fact that if people say this is happening, some people are going to look into it um, really helps people trust the medical biomedical science process a little bit more. And we do want to encourage people, if you're listening to this and you want to share about your experience, we do have a link to Catherine's uh, study on our website. That's stlpr.org. We want to encourage people to check that out and uh, to share with the researchers what they've experienced. Catherine Lee, a postdoctoral researcher in the Division of Public Health Sciences at Washington University School of Medicine. I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing about your work. Thanks for having me and get vaccinated, folks. It's better than having COVID. <laughs> I appreciate that plug. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks for having me. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.